Welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast about people, where we discuss any and everything under the sun having to do with being a human. If you like what you're hearing, feel free to subscribe, rate, and share your favorite episodes with your friends and family. If there's a topic you want to hear more about, feel free to reach out to us on social media or at the email linked in the description. Again, thank you so much for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Much love. What's up, y'all? Thank you so much for tuning back in to the La Gente Artist Panel. This is part two. It is being moderated by Shelton Hull, featuring myself, Vita, and the homies Lily Blackbird, Mike Familiar, and Shape. Shape is the producer of the project, the La Gente Project. If you have not yet checked out the project, the link is again in the description of this session. And I'm just going to let us dive back right into where we left off, um, where y'all heard us pause on the last episode. Peace, peace. So I was just going to say it's been really cool during this uh, whole pandemic era seeing uh, creators, particularly musicians, uh, really leverage their platforms in their communities and around the country. I've always felt like um, uh, artists and, and particularly musicians and, you know, it's like the, the work, it kind of, it carries ideas among communities and demographics kind of the same way bees carry pollen between flowers. You know, like yes, sir. art, music, it, it not only does it create joy, but it, it helps reinforce communities. Uh, the, mus- the musicians in particular during, I can say certainly for Florida, and, I'm, and I know in your areas it's the same, like uh, you guys have provided a lot of the reinforcement to um, you know, your own communities in times of crisis, you know. Right. Um, as far as like, you know, doing benefits, uh, helping people out, like, you know, using social media and things like that. And I know, Vita, you're always very specific with the projects you do. Uh, you, you put a lot of thought into it, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, there, there's concept that goes into it. How do you view um, – how do you view your role, say, looking ahead over into the next year, the next five years? And I, I'd ask this for all of you, like, having now seen, um, you know – what the artists are capable of doing, like as much as Trump sucks and all that, like they flipped it all over pretty much. Like they flipped Congress, they they got up those people out of there pretty quick. And that's just that has that's just one thing. But what? How do you view your roles individually and as collectives going forward, uh, not just as musicians, but within your communities? Well, uh, first of all, capitalism does not work. So you have said something about the music industry and how much you needed uh, so much of, uh, you needed so many, so much uh, label power and funds and all these mm-hmm. uh, yeah. systems to be able to have an artist be somebody or be heard. And um, when the pandemic, hit, I mean, it, I mean, shit does suck, but when the pandemic, hit, it kind of like, it humbled that that format and humbled that system. Like now independent artists are thriving because what do people want? Authenticity, like a package, mm-hmm. a made of package is not gonna really uh, reach out to the people that are struggling out here on some day to day on some real shit. So um, uh, it's, I think that's one of the things that I see as a silver lining. Um, uh, this politics shit is not working. We need a whole system to be revamped. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm, I'm always like, I, I try to be really tactful because I mean, mm-hmm. oppression is like, it's an everyday thing that we, we, we drink. It's in our food, it's in our water. Like people still don't have clean water. So um, as far as like the presidency and all this shit, I'm just like, yeah. uh, reset, mm-hmm. reset all of that. Sure. And our communities are doing that, and um, uh, and music is doing that as well, and it's been doing that, and now it's just, I don't know, I feel like everything uh, as far as anything homegrown has been amplified. Because, Facts. You know, so, and that's what's good. I feel like it now that holds way more leverage and weight than what than what used to hold weight before as far as, like, you know, music industry and people in power and these uh, big name people and you know yeah now on the uh on the current project uh did you guys um 
did all the did the sequence of tracks on the finished project uh, did they did that did that reflect like chronological order or were you working on all the tracks like at once? Does does the sequence is there a subtext to the sequence of the tracks within the within the project? For me, definitely, yeah. Like uh, we didn't they're not in chronological order. That's the first thing. I think I wrote the last one first, honestly, um, if I remember correctly. Uh, but the way in which they were placed, there there was a, two things behind it. One, I had this vision, and I asked Shape if we could do it, and he was definitely down. So he really shout-outs to him for weaving the project together the way he did. Um, I talked about it. Excuse me. I talked about it on this episode I did with Lily recently where, like, I grew up on like Motown hip hop, like a lot of like different different genres, but those are like the main two, right? And like a thing with like a lot of Motown artists when they performed live, they would do medleys. Is that the right word? They would yeah. do medleys, yeah. So there's this Marvin Gaye project. There's this Marvin Gaye performance. Oh man, I looked it up last time when we were chatting. Uh, forgive me, I forgot what it was again. But there's this Marvin Gaye record that I have that I used to listen to all the time, and it's just this medley of him performing. Like, mm-hmm. amazing medley, right? So I wanted to bring that energy to this project because uh, that's one of the things that I, I bring inspirationally into my, like, performances and stuff. Like, if you if y'all have ever seen me perform, like, I really like whoever is holding me down in the back to really do what they can to weave the songs together. I know in this hip-hop space, a lot of folks do, like, one song, one song, one song, and kind of stop in between them, you know? Um, so I wanted to bring the inspiration that I have had for Motown uh, to, uh, and also in my performing to an actual project. Um, so when I sat with like when shape and I were sitting with what placement to put them in, um, that's the kind of context I was sitting with was like, okay, well, if we're putting this project out and it's literally time to the exact amount of time that, um, George Floyd was being held down by police officers, um, and we're going to put it in a medley. So it's literally one chunk of time. There's no pauses in between. So literally three songs worth can fit into that time. Um, what is the emotional from an emotional space? What is the emotional, uh, like process emotion? I, I don't want to say the word roller coaster Cause that's not, wasn't my intention. It was more so like, what is the, the emotional, uh, auditory picture board that I want to take folks through that we could take folks through. Right. So, like, starting mm-hmm. off with a track with me and Mike, like, um, it's, like, a very much, like, and especially with the samples that Shay put at the top of it, it's a very much, like, I'm here, like, hear me roar type thing, you know, and very much, like, we are not going to be okay with this, like, we're going to fuck it up, you know, like, our voices aren't going to be silenced, like, and the, you know, the content that Shay, uh, sorry, that Mike brings in, you know, speaking through his experience and uh, all of the things that he shares, like, definitely it was a very like uh it it was just a very big song so it felt like it needed to be first you know Mm -hmm. like i wanted mike to just put his voice out there first and you know i had flipped and flopped in my head of like should we like put his verse first do we leave mine first you know and i i was like all right like in my head i was like let's leave mine first because you know people are going to come through this project as it's a vita kills project you know Mm-hmm. And then I wanted to be able to hand it off to my buddies. So then, mm-hmm. so the first song that's what we did, and then weaving it into the song with Lily, um, I, I did the same kind of thing. I flip flopped. I was like, which whose verse should we put first? You know? Um, and then it was kind of the same kind of the same thing. I liked that we were sandwiching like me between them. You know? And, like, I was also keeping in mind, like, the performance aspect of it and things like that as we were working on it. Um, so then feeding it into the, the, the Lily track. And then the me track, I was just like, you know what? Like, let's, I, I, I considered putting it in the middle, but I was like, nah, like, this is just, like, it's a cool track. And I also feel like the tracks with Lily and Mike needed to be heard first, you know? So then that one's kind of just, like, I feel like that track is more so me just, like, visually like walking down the street like completing my thoughts on the the project that we just shared kind of tying it up in little a little bundle and being like look like this is where it's at still like no justice mm-hmm. no peace type vibes which is how it like ends you know 
Um, yeah. So so that was kind of the the behind the scenes of like the placement of it and like the the context of it for myself, you know. And I don't know if Shape has anything he wants to add to that. Yeah, um, I do, man. And in fact, I I want to go back. I mean, just like a, like the question that you had before, I really didn't get to. Mm-hmm jump on that man just just about yeah. like how uh artists as uh activists and people who have like a voice and a message and like how do we proceed in the future um th- just the whole evolution of this album and the process that brought it to us was it was uh, a very emotional time for for everyone and for myself uh just you know, watching the news and seeing what was happening and feeling this kind of desperation where, you know, like, I don't know what to do, where I felt like, you know, like my hands are tied. Um, and then to see this moment of an insurgence uh, within that pandemic where we had, um, I broke pandemic to go out into um, uh, downtown Brooklyn and you know watched you know thousands and thousands of people just protesting against the the nypd um for for you know their involvement or their you know lack of response to these issues that were happening yeah and at that moment it felt like a significant uh there was there was a significant breach in the consciousness or the paradigm of of the people you know because like you had had so many things happen before you'd have you know rodney king you would have uh, amadou diallo you would have so many people unnecessarily die yeah. uh, at the hands of what you're what, what really are just the soldiers yeah. of a, a capitalist society who are just the gatekeepers for class and and it was looking like we were entering into some kind of form of uh, class war or at least a consciousness right and it, uh-huh. it, it wasn't until now with hindsight you know hindsight's 2020 um, that I feel like you know like those actions that we saw and the responses that we got especially from the artists uh, I feel like it's 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 both in the in the in the pro and the con that the, the, the pandemic held people back from their lives so that you had a society that was essentially shut down. Uh, people did not have to worry about going to work the next day or, you know, uh, going to work that week or, you know, like everything had kind of been put on pause. So when something like this happened uh, and that emotion got in the presence of mind, uh, you know, by not having to like be at work the next day, I think that like people had the clarity to analyze uh, the world and the reality that they were in and what they saw was frustrating and uh, kind of crazy. Um, and that led them to, you know, go out into the streets and flip cop cars over and set fire to fucking police stations. Um, and I think when we think about the future, I think that, that, that whether we learned a lesson from that, the, the, the powers that be did learn a lesson and, and, and I don't think going forward, even if there's another pandemic, they're going to give us the opportunity to have time to reflect like that. Um, I, I think that that's done. I think that, like, you know, they realize right. that look what happens when these when, when people have a moment to, like, just get their shit together, not have to worry about the bullshit that we're throwing at them every single day. They've, they have to stay in the yeah. house for seven days. And, and, and then that's when they realize, like, holy shit, they're out here killing people. Uh-huh. This, this is fucked up. Um, and then they go out and they fucking burn down the police station. Yeah. Uh, so I think in the future we're going to have pandemics that we're just going to have to fucking work through uh-huh. because they're not going to take that risk again. It's, 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 it's collateral against the status quo, you know what I mean? Like, um, so I hope that, like, you know, we're, we're making music now and we, we made an album that was a reflection of the, the time period, and I hope that... Uh, it has an influence, but uh, but I think beyond that, that what you were asking about artists, I think that we actually have more an obligation to you know bring it to the actual streets and bring it to the uh, the to the leaders where they are, and not in the studio. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you have the ability to, you know, 
not only express these these uh, these ideas in ways that are more creative and you know it's yeah. like the old saying a little sugar makes the medicine go down and I feel like you know the the truth that we one thing this pandemic certainly taught me is that like the things I need a lot of stuff I needed to know about myself was not stuff I wanted to know like the the process of learning and growth and maturing as a person oh, yeah, is not always necessarily a, pro, a pleasant process. And that's the same for, for businesses and communities and societies and things like that. When, when the first uh, George Floyd protest began happening, when it first went national, you know, it all happened so quickly that mainstream media didn't even know. They didn't, you know, they're so like, you'd watch the news and like, there's so many different spots popping off that they couldn't, you know, they couldn't so, you know, it, yeah, it was like it was watching ESPN yeah. or something on a uh, on college football game. It was actually more like watching and, the news as it should be every day because they didn't have a chance to get the spin out because they didn't have a, get a chance to absolutely. change the story. That yeah, they were just reporting mm-hmm. there was no filter. live because there's no way that within 30 mm-hmm. minutes you can flip the idea of why people in Brooklyn are burning down cop cars why people in the south are burning down a police station there's no uh there's no spin for that in the moment if you you know today you can because today Mm -hmm. people are out and about and you can say that you know russia's invading ukraine china is going to shoot down nancy pelosi's plane for going to taiwan all these things that are just like going to like really just like take you off the focus of what's going the fuck on right in front of you right facts I was literally thinking the same thing. I was thinking the same thing like three hours ago, reading the Pelosi. Like, you know, just yeah, that's just in parentheses. She, you know, none of these people should be flying over the ocean right now. Like, I mean, they're 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 all yeah. Like, why do Nancy like Pelosi shouldn't fly like, anywhere? Fly Nancy Pelosi needs to stay you where know? she is. Nancy stretch. Pelosi probably, you know, needs some care and attendance. That yeah. you know. Uh, it's just can come meet her in San Francisco. You, you know? know, one of the things that I noticed, like, oh, all my bad. Um, one, one of the things I noticed being in Brooklyn, as well as like, you know, all the people protesting and stuff, like I had, like, I, I, I wish I, I would have played more of an active role in participating, but you know, at the time I was just trying to, I was just trying to live and I give it to anybody that like is brave to take it to the streets on that level. I had walked near a bunch of protests where like I, there's this one guy I remember, I, I remember seeing it was a native brother. He was, he was like, he was holding the sign that said like, we support black lives and like, I felt, I felt like it. I felt like it was empowering to see that people actually care, you know. And that, and that was the one thing that was good. Another yeah. un, one unfortunate thing I did also see was that, like, there was a bunch of with all the anti-police protesting, there was pro-police protests, and you were just you were watching, yeah. you were seeing the underbelly of of like you know the stuff that you just hear as like casual racism start to be more amplified and loud and disgusting like i remember i saw an instagram story where this guy was basically being verbally abused and almost assaulted by all these white people in in diker heights you know is ridiculous like Mm-hmm. And along with all of that, you know, you have all these people calling themselves truth seekers, just peddling out propaganda left and right. And oh yeah, it's always very ironic. You know, they they use the like when someone says they're a free thinker, it means they're not a free thinker. You know, you mentioned the uh, like down in. In Tampa, just uh, last week, uh, last weekend, there was um, a bunch of rioting, a bunch of neo-Nazis that um, were just out in the streets protesting and roughing people up and stuff. And it's in Tampa, where it's like, 
you know, you do this stuff in Florida, there's plenty of people in Florida that will push back. They they relish it. You know, we've had several incidents like that over the last uh, year or so, and our governor always ends up saying, like, oh, he says, oh, well, we don't know that it's not a uh, – how do we know that they're Nazis? We don't know that they're neo-Nazis. And people say, well, because they say they're neo-Nazis, because they've been doing it for years, because they're wearing these the trucker hats with all the logos and – and all that stuff because they're open and proud about what they're doing. They think they're they think they're heroes and all that. But it's and now they're you know their backs are against the wall because they know that they're outnumbered. I mean the good guys. I think the good guys have the numbers and the bad guys they got the money and all that. But they're they're breaking against each other because when when bad guys when you put when bullies yeah. come under pressure they turn on each other. You know that's when you start getting the the incidents and the false flags and stuff like, you know, the same way they get the working class to turn on each other, you know, they're, you know, they can turn, what can they do to the working class? All they can, once they see that their ability to just dictate terms and conditions are gone, that, you know, they've already lost, you know, whether it's the church, whether it's the government, whether it's the military, like people here and around the world have lost faith in so many of their, uh, the core institutions, you know, and now it's, uh, so now they're desperate. They're desperate and they're scared, and, and then that's when they start making mistakes, you know. Like with all this stuff that's happening with, with George Floyd and stuff, you'd think they'd do a better job of, like, you know, at least pretending to try to, like, not be dicks. But yeah, and I think what we learned with the and, uh, George Floyd experience know. is that we had a, a small movement where people uh, demanded the uh, defunding or the deregulization of police activities, uh, especially in urban and metropolitan areas. And what, what you had was a voting year, and people went to the polls mm-hmm. with that. And now what you have is a situation where I'm coming and I'm hanging out in New York all the time. And so I'm in Manhattan. And what you have is uh, a manipulation of crime statistics, first of all, uh, where they're mm-hmm. telling you every single day that, that, that crime in New York is yeah. out of fucking control. You're going to hear a story about something crazy happening every single day, uh, which was happening anyway. Now, what I'm saying is that so that that we know historically that yeah. the police are able to take their caseloads and either put those into an idea of being uh, in unsolved in resolution or being like an active crime or something like that. So they can make and they do that. And, and, and we've seen them do it to different mayors. Right. They can make the, the crime rate in the city go up or go down, depending on how they need to be perceived for the politics yeah. of the moment. So the idea that after we've demanded that the police are being defunded, that now all of a sudden the <laughs> crime rate is going through the roof uh-huh. um, is a little bit fishy. But beyond even mm-hmm. like yeah. that idea is the problem right. that uh, mm-hmm. whether or not we're becoming more conscious, um, if we're not out there doing things to back it up we know from you know like uh they're literally the new york times uh, had an article about uh the fbi has since the 1980s uh been tracking that uh right-wing neo-nazi white supremacist groups have been infiltrating the military and the police forces so the idea that even if we as people yeah. and voters of, in a democracy are going to uh, enact uh, intellectual change, it's not really going to matter much when it comes to, like, uh, if we vote right and they decide not to adhere to those votes, uh, the people that are there to right. enforce that have been infiltrated at the highest levels by neo-Nazis and white supremacists. Um, so that's true. And you've seen uh, you've seen that transition happen. Like uh, you'll see over the last few years, situations where police forces and the military will like dramatically uh, lower or dramatically change their standards on something. Like say uh, allowing police to wear allowing police recruits to have visible tattoos. 
that come down. Yeah, allowing church. people into the Capitol building. Yes, absolutely. A lot of those people were uh, law enforcement, active duty military, veteran military, National Guard people, Capitol Police people yeah, on their day off. And when they put up their uh, their Blue Lives Matters flags, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem to matter that a, a police officer got trampled right. or was beaten or that people died. Yeah. Um, you know, it only matters that you uh, disincentive the police mm-hmm. when you're coming from an aspect of uh, a leftist ideal. Yes. Yeah, uh, if the police are in your way because you are in a right wing fundamental uh, ideology, mm-hmm. uh, they are a necessary evil to get across for your freedom yep. otherwise it's you know they're protecting you mm-hmm. and from who yeah i think we all know the answer to I that so yeah, much but- you also heard so many people referring to referring to like people on the left as hard left and like i, I i'm like all right if a left exists it's because a right yeah. exists yeah you know mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know what's funny is, uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, like that was the one thing that like we heard we heard like so many so many people like right wing say as like a talking point to try to stir up fear and like get more airplay and shit. And I'm just like, this these things exist as a response yeah. to things. And it's all language. Uh, you look at like, I, I talked to my little brother and I, I was actually very surprised because um, I thought that the idea of anti-fascism, right? There's a reason that the news really plays up the, uh, the label Antifa uh-huh. because um, it is a label that does not explain the meaning behind it. Yeah. Now, you know, like I, I've been in the uh, ARA and the anti-fascist uh, 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 politics for 20 years, and we, no one's ever considered themselves or has claimed to be Antifa. So I told my little brother, we were in the car talking, I'm like, I'm telling him about like my idea that like there's like a, a, a fascist change coming in a right wing takeover. And he's like, and he's like, well, I'm like, what do you think Antifa's doing? Right. He's like, well, yeah, what are they doing? I'm like, they're anti-fascist. And he's yeah. like, oh wait, does, is that what Antifa means? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, it means anti-fascist. What do you? He's like, I didn't know that, man. And just like, you know, I thought it was just like a name. For, I was like, hold, I'm like, and I think yeah. that, yo. There's mad people out there that don't, love, and the, the, just the, the whole argument yeah. is that like if you're against Antifa, you're pro, you're pro fa. Yeah. You know I, mean? I, just, I love how they pivot like from like literally within the course of like you know over the course of a year these those some of those six guys went from being you know heroes of the right way like leaders revolutionaries you know you saw the way the way they were talking about it like Trump I mean at the time Trump was trying to fight a secret service to get in there. You know, like, and yes. and now they say that they were Antifa masquerading as January 6th people, you know, and they're trying to, yeah, That's I, saw, so funny. I saw one guy trying to, like, yeah, I heard, I heard that. That so one much. guy who was, um, he was a veteran and he helped lead, uh, the, uh, help, uh, help coordinate the January 6th stuff. And he got convicted for stuff and he, because he snitched on his people, they start saying that he was an anti Antifa plant. Antifa, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Now like- Which is amazing because uh, it's it goes back to like it's these are people who evolved out of the troll culture uh-huh. of the internet, and what they do is they they take action uh-huh. and then once the consequences happen, they set they stand back and deny, oh, sure. and they stand back and they and they try to relieve themselves. So it's it, it, it's it's a brilliant tactic honestly it's like you know you you, uh you do something you're like ah no we didn't mean that it was a joke guy (laughs) now big no big deal you know like what do you get everyone's so tight you know like um but uh but it's i mean it's it's conservatives that deliberately send infiltrators out there to like whether it's occupy or black lives matter marches like you know Uh, if they like when the way they talk about antifa if they said like black box or something then then that would have been like a nice little inside joke kind of thing because during Occupy Wall Street, you had like, they definitely had police out there. I remember here in Jacksonville when we were having the first uh, George Floyd marches in summer 2020, um, there was a, someone put like a big stack of bricks like right outside on the sidewalk with a sign that said, you know, free bricks, blah, blah. It turns out it was a conservative that, a conservative that did it and had, 
they had like a camera set up to kind of like record who was like doing it and it's just this it's all like such oh, a yeah. Jam. And, yeah and any of those things i just had the guy come out you know uh, i think it was actually in florida or, 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 or somewhere mm -hmm. you know like yeah. he comes out and he's got a picture of him standing in his driveway and they've spray painted like blacks rule. yeah 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 and <laughs> Black and you're like, like you're like, like, who the fuck? What? Yeah. Are, are are all blacks Bart Simpson? Yeah. Is this like, like not like, like, you know, like, this is, like we don't like this is I'm like you wrote that man you wrote that like what's like so much so many people there were so many people saying that those bricks were left by Antifa and I'm getting, and it's just it just feels weird to me it's so crazy that, yeah that's who you and they blame. found out and they and we know. That those in the those, those original uh, protests, the guys who threw the fucking bricks through the windows, uh -huh. they were trying to trace them down. Those that was a fucking uh, uh, a white supremacist guy who was part of a group that they identified him, uh -huh. and they still kept saying like, ah, oh, yeah, this fucking left wing bullshit. They fucking they're you know they're tearing apart their own neighborhoods, and these guys are coming in, and they're you know, no, it was literally people who you know came from different cities to take advantage of a riot and destroy property mm -hmm. and have it blamed on the people that were locally. Uh, and so like this idea that, 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 that this is going on, uh, not to get off the like subject here, man, mm -hmm. but it's just like, man, how do you affect change? when like your enemies are trolls and it's hard yeah. to even like counter trolls right. on yeah. the fucking internet man it's like and it's like because right. they have a certain power because if you like don't even like have the conviction to state your own purpose you only take action and then you take it all back and watch like the the, the chaos you're almost it's like a joker mm -hmm. like in that you know like in that effect you know what i'm saying like you just like are literally like just trying to be an element of chaos and and because like it's not like they're stepping i i, I can handle a bad guy who's like hey man i'm a white supremacist i fucking i hate everyone i hate jews i hate fucking like you know like i you know it's like it's like all right i understand what you're saying i know how to fight that i don't understand a guy who like comes in and is like Ah, no, man, I was just pretending to hate Jews because it was funny, and then, like, that yeah. guy got killed, and, whoa, we didn't, whoa, no, that wasn't our fault. You know, like, uh, we didn't even mean for that to happen. And it's like, how do you even fight that? There's no, there's not even a conviction behind yeah. the action. It's very, very tumultuous. Right. That, that level brings up to me, like, uh, something that I often think about because my artwork is within the activism space, but also my, like, uh my other passion of like audio engineering it's taking me to build a business that's also created and like centered in the activism space so i support folks that are like anti-racism educators things such as this right and like i often keep in mind that like there are not to try and sound like not, not to sound paranoid i'm a lightweight sound paranoid but like to keep in mind that there are infiltrators yeah. like there are people that will in literally infiltrate movements mm -hmm. just to fuck with the movement you know mm -hmm. what i mean and like it's something that i think brings about what what shape was saying is like it uh micro it's like puts a microscope on the evil that there is within humans because there yeah. is not a way to really counteract that except for creating a bigger movement of energy that is the opposite you know um that is without that because it really is like they are there are there are literal trolls out there like there's one I'm not going to hold tangent about it, but that's something I keep in mind. And what I keep in mind and kind of circling back to the project, too, with everything we're talking about is like uh, the, the one of the, the, the reason why I wanted to call it La Gente was because I wanted to focus on the people, the collective, the collective of us who are out there with these thoughts, with these emotions, with this energy that we are like the folks that aren't going to like allow the system to do what it does you know we're going to create either a new a avenue of it we're going to work to chisel away at it while we can while we're here on this planet we're going to work to influence intellect mm -hmm. we're going to work to influence consciousness we're going to work to to allow folks to use their voices you know even if at some point uh something uh, it, it goes away that we don't want it to go you know it's a long it's a long-term game it's a long-term mm -hmm. focus it's a long-term battle and it's you know from the progress that our ancestors have made to where we are now to where we're going to go like there's a lot yes, still sir. there you know yeah. uh, and so and so circling in on this project like 
the La Gente part and why I chose the folks for the cover is because, like, those people are the people we need to focus on, right. you know? Like, the people that put themselves in the front of all this shit, put themselves in the front of the infiltrators, put themselves in the front of the people that come into their circles and become, yep. like, Judists, you mm. know? And the people that become assassinated because of that, you know? Like, all of that type of shit. Like, we could go on a whole last list of who has who has been infiltrated and yeah. the movements that have right. been cut down because because of what mm-hmm. has been infiltrated yeah. right um and like centering on even like my own experience with it i know i'm going on a little no, tangent no, but yeah. centering with my own experience of it is like i put caesar chavez first because like my elders they were in his union yes. you know like i drive around san jose and you know there's one time i was driving with my it was all three of my elders that are still alive they're all in their 80s and my grandpa was like oh that's the house that we used to meet at with caesar like Caesar Chavez, I was like, "What?" I was like, "What are you talking about?" Uh, you know, because I had known they were in the the movement, but I didn't know the extent at which. You know, because I think a lot of our ancestors, or a lot of our elders, um, it was a it was an answer to something they needed. You know, in a really group way, and it the way that we revere them now is not how they felt while yeah. they were experiencing it. Sure. You know. So it's not like they go, oh, yeah, I was chilling with that guy. You know, oh, yeah, I was in that meeting. Oh, yeah, we were doing these things. We were, we were picketing. We were doing that. You know, it, be- it was an answer to the fact that they needed food in their mouths and that they were getting uh, mistreated by white folks that owned different property. And I could go down a whole last thing, right? Uh, but so that's why, that's why I chose Caesar first, and that's also, like, something that really inspired me to, to bring the folks on to this project that I, I did. And why i also knew that reaching out to shape as y'all just heard him talk like reaching out uh, having him reach out to me and also me reaching back to him and being like yo can we focus it on this specific thing i knew that he would show up and do justice for the vision that was going to be there um so that's kind of where my mind has been as y'all have been talking and really raising uh raising the the flag on a lot of the things that go on within this uh political sphere but also you know i kind of hate to call it that because it's more than just like a thing that's outside you know like it's literally like our lives so like in this sphere that we live in and and these lived experiences that we have all these different layers that y'all have been naming like it it is a lot and i think if uh we were to kind of you know maybe offer a message to folks that are tuning in like i would love to hear what y'all might want to share and for me personally it's like look to the leaders who are willing to risk it all you know like look to look to those folks look to the whether they're artists whether they're producers whether they're you know folks that deal with different avenues that could um affect some sort of transformation um like look for those folks because otherwise it, it can get pretty uh pretty pretty yeah. gloomy pretty quick you know uh, with the title man it was also like um it, it, it reflected to me the uh, earlier uh points when i was like going to protest when i first was like a young kid uh whether it was like the like you know like the world trade protest like the uh or whatnot and you were here and, and i'm like a, a very loose spanish speaker so i don't you know like i couldn't have a conversation with y'all in spanish but like you know like i, I pick it up but like that was like one thing that like I heard people shouting when we were talking about like you know the the uh, ramifications of globalization was gente yo nida nunca sara vencida gente yo nida nunca sara vencida and that stuck with me for ye- that till now you know t- from the first time I heard that when I was like 13 years old it's in my brain today and it's like you know the people united will never be defeated yep. you know what I mean like and that's what that's yep. what that when when Peter brought that to me, that was, you know, the the, the meaning that I put to that, and it it, it 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 that meaning is is universal and boundless. You know, it's just a. That's the hint. It's the hint, man. It's the, that's right. Uh, yeah. You know, Vita, uh, you mentioned uh, your elders earlier and some of the uh, you know the things they've gone gone through in the past. And I know that family's uh, uh, a recurring theme in your work over the years. So I was curious, uh, the the elders in your family and in in your community. Uh, over the years, and particularly with this project recently, if, as you've shown it to them, uh, how have they uh, how have they engaged your work? Uh, how has it resonated with them? Uh, what kind of feedback do you get from the elders when they uh, take a look at the material that you're working on and have worked on? Uh, my grandma loved my music. She mm-hmm. has passed away. Um, we're getting close mm-hmm. to 10 years now. Uh, wow. She passed away. And uh, before she passed away, like, I remember I brought a CD over there, and it actually had me, was one of the things that had me shift, like, whether I cussed in my music or not. It's because I had, 
I brought her a CD and I was like, dang, I can't play like half the CD because I'll cuss. And like my grandma yeah. was like, hella Christian. And I was like, I, I can't do this. And I just felt like this like shame. I was like, my grandma's going to hear me cuss. She never heard me cuss before. But she loved my music. She, uh, I remember I showed her 47. Uh, for those that have been around for a while, y'all will know that one. For those that haven't, check that one out. I showed her that one. She loved it. She like wanted me to replay it on repeat, like on her little boombox, because she had like a little boombox mm-hmm. in her kitchen at that point. Um, and I, and that was like that was really big for me, you know, um, especially for all the things that my grandma brought to my life. Um, and then my gramps, like he's heard my stuff. He loves my stuff. Uh, he loves it so much that like you know he'll go to different places and if he'll find out like the people in his life uh are in music and he finds out they're in the hip-hop world he'll tell them about me and then you know this one time he got a cd from someone he went to church with that was like a christian rapper and he hella like he was like we got to listen to this and i was like chilling with him and he was like he didn't know how to put it in so he's like open this put it in the cd player in my car and we're gonna listen to it you can't leave until we listen to it you know like so like really like tender moments where like they understand my music as the way they do you know um and then they kind of they connect with me on it from their perspective of what it means to them um and then my tío i've been chilling with my tío and he knows i make music uh he kind of thinks that like everyone knows my music so it's like really cute and i haven't <laughs> corrected him yet because i don't want to like burst his bubble but he was like telling me that uh, he goes to the senior center and a taxi picks him up every morning to take him there and uh the guy was like singing and listening to music and he's like oh yeah he was listening to me to some of your songs and i immediately was like nah i don't think he was but i was like oh word i was yeah. like that's dope you know like i was like i'm here for that deal like let me get on that vibe real quick but uh but it's just these really tender moments you know and especially like knowing that like a lot of my work is influenced by for sure family and the dynamics of my family and uh, it's a cathartic place for me to release things uh but it also is very much like a place for me to honor the things uh because my i keep in mind that our ancestors built a certain momentum for us um and i i know some of us take it on as like we're taking the baton forward a little bit more some of us aren't aware of that some of us are in different places about that but i'm definitely of the the belief of like i'm taking their but the baton that they're all handing me collectively forward so the energy that that they experienced the the long days of work they had in the the fields as well as construction you know and like all the ways in which i keep learning about their story and different layers of it like i'm taking that forward you know, like I'm I'm taking forward all of the, the sacrifices and all of the things that they got up and said, OK, I have to do this thing. I'm going to do it and I'm going to I'm going to take it forward in the ways that I can of like honoring the things that are difficult for me to do, knowing that they did way more difficult shit, honoring the 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 space that I have to be able to create in this sort of way and not have to like do the things that they did, you know, like if that makes sense, you know, like really just deep 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 honoring of like what they have built for me and my family and knowing that you know i wouldn't exist the way i do if it wasn't for all the choices that they made and that they literally chose to stay here you know like so that's kind of what it is for me yeah and i would love to actually pivot to to folks too if we maybe that's how we could kind of tie this episode up is like uh what it what it like because like the thing i think i that really centered on me for this project was like it was i I wanted it to be viewed as and i still want it to be viewed as like uh an honoring of our ancestors and like a naming of the things that they went through like i know mike talked about in his verse right um and also lily the same um so knowing that that is like a theme throughout our verses in our project in this project uh i just i don't know if there's anything there for y'all to name i don't really have a question Maybe Shelton has a question. He's definitely definitely doper with questions. Um, but just like to to know like the that what what from the context of like your ancestors and the way that you brought yourself to this project, like is there an honoring there that definitely. can be named? Yeah. Um, definitely um how stubborn we are in our conviction, how in uh, there's a uh, characteristics and person that are that we inherit and that we don't even know that we do until we are exposed to okay like the year like 2020 you know and um then you really tap into oh this is the lineage i do come from like this is nothing new 
but it's it's super sacred it's you have to tap in i feel like that's what this verse kind of rem it reminded me or kind of opened up for me it's like um what did my mom leave for me and what am i going to do with this moving forward so um also knowing that uh especially in the pandemic like just you know isolation everybody was isolated for the most part but um no my ancestors are always around all i gotta do is tap in you know so um it, yeah definitely it definitely like you had said earlier uh shelton um it made you look at yourself even even in the aspects that you don't want to pay attention to that you mm -hmm. avoid looking at but it also made me look at my ancestors and my lineage and also being around women that i grew up with um and also just how valuable the uh the whatever they were inherited uh whatever they leave for us like how valuable that is and, and the power in that and what do we do as mm -hmm. music activists just good human, just just being humans and just taking care of one another. What do we do with that? With it's it's super powerful, and we forget that we have that too. We have that. It's you know we just have to remember to access that whenever we aren't feeling so great or whenever we're going through some tough shit, and um, also to be able to share that with with each other and our family. You know your activism even in, in within your own family. Um, so yeah, no, definitely. Uh, that's what that's what this verse just like magnified for me when Vita reached out. So definitely super open heart space with that. I just, uh, with, with the verse that, uh, Vita had me on, I was just kind of coming from a place of as much as it is like a physical war going on outside and a political one, it's also a big mental one. And I know from my experience, I grew up in a house with a lot of internalized racism, more a lot more than I would like to admit. I know that there's still parts of myself and my ancestry that I don't know. I even talk about it in part of the verse saying like half of us don't even know where we come from and they have what's owed to us, not that and then some, you know, I feel I, I don't know how to expand upon like that, where I'm coming from with that, but I know that there's a lot of my ancestry that I don't know. I know, I only know that some of my ancestors were in North Carolina and they were dealing with slavery and stuff like that. And I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is that like, I admire the, the power behind that, that Vita and both Lily and Ian are sharing when it comes to dealing with these things. Cause over the years I haven't dealt with these things in the best way. And, and I guess listening to y'all makes me realize that there's still a lot of growth that needs to be done in fully owning who I am as an artist, as well as, as well as a black man. So that that's, that's all I got to really say as far as um, where I'm coming from and all this, that and the other. I appreciate you, Mike. And I really appreciate you bringing your voice to the project for sure and for the ways in which you continue to be introspective within your growth as a human and yes also as like a black man for sure you know and i know there's a lot a lot of different layers so i really appreciate you sharing that with us i'm re i'm really happy and I'm re i just want to say man like i love you all and uh i'm just like more than happy that i that i could lay a, a foundation for y'all for y'all to to speak speak your you know speak your truth man that's just like um uh i love this project and i love you guys and uh man it came out so good and you know bless y'all thank you so much shape i really appreciate it and i don't really want to get a baby real quick did you want to ask us oh question i just want uh, last question i wanted to ask right now is just uh when you get your get or when you got or when you get your first physical copies of the album like 
who gets the first copy? Well, I mean, you you get keep your own first copy, but who's the first person that you're giving one to to put in their hands? And say, That's a really good question. I actually got them. They're over here. I haven't put anything together. Uh-huh. Like I have the CDs and then the cases together, and uh-huh. then I have to print out the cover. Uh, but that's actually what I've been thinking about. And I was actually going to message all y'all and ask y'all to send me your addies. Uh-huh. I know you already sent me yours, Shelton. Uh, but I was going to ask for y'all's mailing addresses because I would love for y'all to be the first ones to get it. Um, and I'd love to send y'all a couple of them so y'all could Absolutely. give to folks too. Um, I know there are a couple of folks that ordered the hard copies. Um, and then, yeah, I'm going to continue to, through this podcast episode, uh, definitely elevate the fact that we have the hard copies for sale. Um, we've been able to raise about 200 bucks, I believe so far. Most of those have been for purchase of the digital album. Um, 200 bucks so far that we're going to be donating to black and trans, uh, organizations in the twin cities, because this project, as you have heard, was crafted during, uh, the uprising and what, what transpired in the twin cities. Um, and, definitely honoring George Floyd and every every being that was impacted within the Twin Cities during that time. Um, so yeah, if you want to check out the project, feel free to go to music.vitakills.com or if you go uh, on the Bandcamp app, you could just search for Vita Kills. Um, and the project the project is called La Gente. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's about it. And I really appreciate y'all being here today. And thank you so much, Shelton, for, for navigating us and uh, presenting, with, <laughs> presenting us with questions to be able to sit with uh, for, you know, this session all together. And I'm definitely open to, you know, having y'all on again for another session for either La Gente stuff or even just in general, like, yeah, it's really been awesome to be here and chat with y'all and to, to hear the various perspectives and the various... Uh, experiences yeah it was great to be here with y'all thank you so much absolutely yeah thanks for having me same same all right y'all everyone tuning in what's up river everyone tuning in thank you so much for checking out this episode uh and uh yeah go check out the project check out the folks over here everyone's links are in the description and i will catch y'all soon thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the podcast about people i'm your host vita miramontes lock and it was a pleasure to be here with y'all today thank you for tuning into this conversation chat more soon much love Hey, what's up, guys? This is Kill C. Ray, host of Chris Sees the Internet. Catch my show along with Beat Block TV, hosted by Gene Flo, The Parker Edison Project, hosted by Parker Edison, and The Heartful Truth, hosted by Seven Octobers and Melly Moreno. Turn on the alerts and subscribe so you know when every new episode drops. Audio wherever podcasts are found and videos right here on Platform Collection YouTube.